And for me, at that point, no part of me wanted to have anything to do with the church at all. I saw evil and I saw evil win. And it reminded me of Jesus when he went into the temple with the whip, right? And he was overthrowing tables and everything and saying, you've turned my house of prayer into a den of thieves. And I thought, this is, church is supposed to be a place where we go and worship God together. And now it's just a job. It's just a career. It's no different than any other career or job. That was a really big turning point for me where I said, in my flesh right now, I don't ever want to go to church again, anywhere in the whole world. I just, I'm done with it. But I had two little girls. And while my heart and my flesh said, I can raise them by myself. I don't need to go to church. I know how to teach Bible lessons. But my mind that had been studying the Bible ever since I was little knew that the church is what Jesus created. And he created us to be a part of it. You're listening to Altered Stories with Michelle Renee Gutch. Hello, Altered Stories show listeners. This is Michelle. Saunders Gutsch, your chief storyteller host. I have missed you all. Welcome to the Altered Stories show, episode 60. Laura Lee's Standing for Truth, God's Story. Friends, I hope you're doing well and have been enjoying your summer if you are in that season in your country. Because we have listeners today, I'm sure, from all over the world. And some of you may not be in the summer season, but I will say it is very warm here in Kansas City area, in the Kansas side, and the humidity is high right now. So I consider this sweating season. I'm so excited to share with all of you just a few happenings with my show. One is that we continue to grow with God's favor, and we are now in 36 countries, and we have continued to pick up downloads from other folks that we never anticipated. I'm also excited to share that the Altered Story Show is now part of the Spark Media Podcast Network. And this is a super exciting step for us as this is a growth opportunity for the show. I know that God is going to continue to help us broaden our reach as we help Christian women share their God stories so women around the world can hear them. Today, friends, I am super excited, though, to bring to the mic a special guest from Canada, and another fellow podcaster. Her name is Laura Lee Simmons, and I was blessed to connect with her through my podcast recording and editing team, who are also sponsoring this episode, Michael and Teresa Blaze with Kadosh Media. And many of you have heard about Michael and Teresa and the great work they do. And they have been a huge blessing. Give them a shout out. And also, friends, I'm excited that they've shared Laura Lee with us today. And I've got a few words to share about her, and then I'm going to let her talk. I mean, she is a wonderful, wonderful woman of God who has been called to share truth. 
She was raised in a pastor's home, and she made the choice to follow Jesus at the age of five. She attended Bob Jones University after she got out of college. She married her husband, Alex, and she's been married 17 years. And she also is a mom of four. And oh my goodness, that's amazing to me. And I know she cherishes her four children who are her greatest joy. And as I've said, she's a fellow podcaster. She has her own podcast, Church History. I think she's got some others, but she'll speak more to you. She, I know, speaks on pro-life issues, theology, marriage, and parenting. All of those topics are near and dear to my heart. I know that she started some ministry teaching junior high students in a Christian school. And then she felt called to work in a church setting in children's ministry. But today, she's going to share with you her God's story of standing for truth to defend the church from attacks from Satan. That is a noble thing, friends. That is a noble thing. And in honor of her, I wore today my Not Today Satan shirt. So it took me two months to get it, but I have it. I'm wearing it, and it put a smile on Morley's face. So that's a good thing. So now let's get to know her and let her talk. Good morning, Laura Lee. From you're in Canada, right? Ontario, Canada. Yes. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing really well, and I'm so excited to be here and to be able to share a little bit about my story with everyone. Well, we're excited to have you here, and I really appreciate you taking the time and to be my guest in the busyness of your life. Is there anything that you'd like to share about yourself, Laura Lee, that I haven't? I know you're going to talk a lot about other things, but I want to make sure that I'm not missing something that you feel is important for the guests to hear. Well, I think you got a lot of the information from my website. And as you're reading it, oh, there's a couple of things that I need to update because I've been married now 19 years. Oh, my goodness. We have our 20th wedding anniversary coming up in January. So we're getting pretty close. I have four teenage girls and my oldest is heading off to college nursing school in a couple of weeks. So, yeah, that's. Um, our family. My youngest is going into grade 10. So very busy time around here. The kids are growing up and it's exciting to see them growing into such uh, godly and grown up independent women. So I'm excited to see that. Well, I'm all for independent women and I raised my daughter independent and she is raising her daughter that way. And I think that's really important. So Kudos to you. And I would like to just ask you a few questions too, so the listeners can get to know you a little better. Can you Mm -hmm. share maybe from your perspective, the main differences in culture between the USA and Canada? A lot of times, like the differences are so subtle that a lot of times people wouldn't really see it. Like they say, oh, we're, we're basically the same. And our culture is similar because we are neighbors. Actually, I don't know if you know this, but America is the only country Canada has a border with. And we have, well, we used to have, right now, I don't know if you consider that, but we used to have the longest unprotected border in the world. So 
there is a lot of similarities between Canada and the United States. We, we are very friendly with each other, obviously. But the main difference, Americans fought for their independence. So Americans are very, you know, stand for freedom, wave your flag, be proud of your country. Canada actually never fought for independence. In fact, the Queen of England is still the Queen of Canada. So we're a sovereign country, but at the same time, we're still under the Queen. And so a lot of people don't realize that. Even Canadians sometimes don't realize that. But because we never had that moment where we fought for our freedom, Canada, our culture is very, do not offend anyone. Don't say anything that might make somebody upset. And that's really in our churches as well. Like we just want to be very calm and polite. Don't hurt anyone's feelings. I always tell people, I feel like I self-identify as an American because I am more like that stand up for truth and fight for freedom type personality. But yeah, here in Canada, it's very, because, but because of that, because that's our culture, especially with pro-life issues, the church doesn't really do anything about it. So in Canada, you can have an abortion for any reason at any point in your pregnancy, 100% paid for by the government. So a lot of people don't realize that about Canada. In fact, we just recently, a few pro-lifers tried to pass a bill that said, you can't have an abortion just because you don't want the gender. But that got shot down, like huge, like 280 something to 30 something. So in Canada, you can even say, oh, I'm just trying to have a boy. So I'm going to keep aborting my girls until I get pregnant with a boy. Legal, government will pay for it. So churches, though, aren't going to speak out about that in Canada because our culture is very, oh, don't talk about anything that might upset somebody. So because we don't have that founding that I think America had, you know, where they fought for their freedom. So they stand for freedom. We don't really have that. That's, I think, the number one main cultural difference. Well, that's very good to know, because I learned several things from what you've shared. And having worked at organizations that partnered with Canadian uh, ministries, just have learned some things from a, a Christian standpoint, from some of the leaders there. But I wasn't aware, you know, that a lot of what you've shared is based on the fact that you're still under the queen. You're not fighting for freedom. You know what I mean? I mean, I've, I've never been to the United Kingdom either. So, well, you know. I've never been to the United Kingdom. And most people in Canada would say, what, we're not under the queen because they don't even realize that, yes, we have a governor general. The governor general represents the queen. Up until the 80s, which is fairly, you know, 1980s, that was when I was um, in elementary school. To get a law passed, you actually, the actual queen had to sign it or it wasn't law. But now it's the governor general who represents the queen. But yeah, there was never a moment in our history where we said, hey, let's fight for freedom and be independent. That never happened. Okay. Well, that's a good understanding. Thank you for sharing that. So do you speak French? I mean, I have visited Canada. I live very close to the Canadian border. And when I have visited, there's a lot of French speaking people in those provinces. And I'm not sure where Ontario is in terms of location to the United States. I'm assuming because you're on East Coast time, right? So you're very close to... We're like uh, Michigan is under us. New York is under us. So we're kind of in that area. And 
Okay. I do not speak French. Now, Canadians all have to take French in school. It's mandatory, so I took it in school. But basically, I remembered what I needed to remember to take the test. <laughs> yeah. And then the next day, forgot everything. So I've no, done that. there's actually most people don't speak French. It's a very small percentage that speak French fluently. And I mean, okay. I could do a whole episode on just that and how frustrating that is. But yeah, you have to be able to speak French fluently to have any power in Canada. So because of that, only a really small elite group of people can be judges or be in government or anything like that because it's a small percentage of Canadians that speak French fluently. Interesting. Very small. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I am you can't French. run for office if you don't have French. So it really limits. How far is Quebec from your location? Well, from me personally, it'd be a couple of hours, but Quebec borders on Ontario. Yeah. Ontario is very, very big. Well, bigger I, than Texas. Oh, my goodness. Well, I hope to visit sometime. I really have roots Ooh. in the Quebec, Canada. I'm French Canadian on my mom's side. A lot of her family came in from Quebec and migrated down into Maine and then into Providence, Rhode Island. So she was a Catholic she, that converted to Christianity. So Roman Catholic, it was a big deal back there. It's big in Quebec. Catholicism is huge in Quebec. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is interesting. Well, I'm so excited. You're my international <laughs> guest and my first one, and I love it. So, okay, what about sharing stories? I know we're going to have you share yours, but I wondered what you think about sharing stories and why, why they can be so important in, in a lot of areas. I would love to hear your perspective on that. Well, I'm going to answer that in two ways. So first, sharing my personal story, and then secondly, just sharing stories in general. We're called to testify, right? God mm -hmm. tells us in the Bible that we're supposed to be testify. If you go to court and you're going to court to testify, they don't want you to tell somebody else's story or tell history or tell. They want to know your story. So we're supposed to be testifying because God wants us to share our personal story of how he's worked in our lives, because he knows that is what impacts people. And the Bible is very important. Obviously, that's the most important. And we should be teaching people about the Bible. But we also, when we're called to testify, that doesn't mean pick up the Bible and teach people about the Bible. Testify means we share our story. That is what testifying means. So we're actually, I think it's biblically called to share your story. I especially tell moms, your children should know how you became a Christian. They should know that. I know how my mom became a Christian. I know how my grandma became a Christian. We should be sharing those stories with our family, but you should be sharing those stories with other people as well. So that's, first of all, it's commanded in scripture for us to testify. It is. Second thing is just sharing stories in general. I have a church history podcast, which I'll talk about a little bit later. But what I do with my podcast is instead of just giving facts and dates and here's what happened, I share it like a story. I tell the story of what happened. And it's so impactful to people because they'll say, wow, I never knew that that happened. Why didn't I know about this great man of God who did this wonderful thing or this woman of God or you know, Corey Ten Boone or any of these people. And we need to be also sharing those stories as well. And I think people are more likely to sit and listen. I have people who messaged me who weren't even Christians. They stumbled upon my podcast because of a history thing that was in it. And then they listened to all of them after. And they, 
they wouldn't, I don't think, have listened to all of them after if they'd just simply been factual. But the fact that they were in a storytelling format made it easier for people to listen to. Yes, I agree with you. And, you know, I received so much more from my pastor when he shares stories from the Bible. Like we've gone mm -hmm. through the Forgotten Family, and the recent story was around Lydia. Luke was sharing Lydia's, the way God was using her and bringing her to those that are reading the scripture that was highlighting her. And we learned things about Lydia that I had no idea mm -hmm. in terms of how he shared stories from the Bible about her and how Luke wrote about her. Dr. Luke is what you would say since he was. So, I mean, it is so much better to be able to relate that way, I think, for many, many mm -hmm. people. So I appreciate you sharing that. Now, is there a translation of the Bible that you like over another translation? Hmm, that's a tricky question. I, I'll tell you, it's not actually a translation. I like audio Bibles. I know it's not really answering your question. <laughs> But for me, the type of learning that I do, again, I have some ADD issues and things like that, that I didn't get diagnosed with as a child because I didn't do that back in the day. But I struggle sometimes with reading. But when I can put on the audio Bible, first thing in the morning, and you're listening to it as you wake up. So then I kind of pick a version of the Bible kind of based on the reason I'm reading or listening. So if I'm just listening, I want the storytelling kind of format, I just, I'm doing dishes and things like that, and I just have it playing, then I'll put on something that's more common English. But then if I'm going to sit down and really, you know, word by word study a passage, then I'll pick up something that's, you know, been translated more word by word. Maybe it doesn't mm -hmm. flow as well, but it's more word by word. But then you have like the book of Psalms. I only like King James Version for Psalms because it has that like poetryness to it. If right. that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And I just love to hear that almost Shakespeare and it kind of has that poetryness to it. So I don't really have one particular version. Thankfully, the Bible app has all the versions. <laughs> right. And yeah. I love so it. It, it makes is the it most easier. incredible tool. I mean, it is the most incredible tool. I love that too. Thank you, Loralee, for sharing those things. And, you know, obviously we're here now to have you share your God's story of standing for truth and how God brought you to that. So I want to ask you the question. So Laura Lee, where does your standing for truth God's story begin? Well, I grew up in a pastor's home, as you mentioned earlier. So church was always an essential part of my life. I was actually adopted into a Christian family when I was a month old. So from the time I was a month old until, you know, now I have never missed a Sunday unless I'm sick. It's always been an important part of my life. And growing up, I loved church. I loved being part of my dad's ministry. I would go, even as a little, little kid, I would sit in his office as he was prepping. And when I was five years old is when I made the choice to follow Jesus Christ personally and become a Christian. And at the same time, I remember I was five years old. I was sitting in a tree. I loved climbing trees. And I would climb up in trees and talk to God, even as a little kid. And I remember God telling me or asking me, are you going to serve me? 
And I, at five years old, I said, God, I am going to serve you. And at that time, I thought maybe I'd be like a Bible smuggler or something like that because I was this very adventurous child. But I always loved the church. I couldn't understand why anybody wouldn't go to church. And grew up that way, went um, through high school, was always passionate about church, always very involved. Went on to college, went to university. And then my husband and I got married. And we began working in church because that's what I had always planned. He was the youth pastor. I worked at the children's ministry. And it was just, this was it. This is what I'd always wanted to do. And I couldn't understand how could anybody possibly walk away from the church? And I would say really flippant things. Like people would say, well, you know, I was really hurt by the church and I walked away. And I would say, oh, that's like saying you went to a restaurant and you had a bad meal. So you never went to a restaurant again. It's just silly. And I would really put it down. Well, just before, a couple of months before we had our first child, we went through a church split. And it was so devastating for me because we were both in ministry. It came to a place where we really realized we had to walk away and leave. And I felt like I lost everything. I lost all of our connections. I felt like no one cared about us. Um, People who I had poured into their lives and they were just like, okay, bye. Like, you don't even matter to me anymore. And then even worse, we had so many kids in the youth group that didn't come from Christian homes. And so I was watching them being devastated by what happened and trying to help them plug into another church. And I'm about to have a baby and I've always going to raise my child in church. And now we couldn't find a place to attend. And it was such a difficult time period. And there was actually a pastor who came with us and said, I mean, they didn't leave the church with us, but came to our house to visit us and said, you're welcome at our church. We want you to come. This is just a healing time for you. We're not going to ask anything from you. And that was, he was such a godsend. So slowly we kind of healed from that. And I was kind of thinking, oh, that was just a one horrible situation. But eight years later, we found ourselves, I'm in church ministry again, living in another town, a big city. This was a big church. It was completely opposite, really, of the last church we had been in. And here we go through the whole thing again. And in this situation, it was a matter of, because I was working behind the scenes and I was seeing, it was almost like climbing the corporate ladder, but in a church setting, you know, where you wanted to build your career up and you wanted to take that higher position. And I see people just knock anyone off the ladder that they could, so they could climb up that ladder. And I began just seeing so much greed and selfishness and pride and it was so difficult for me and the night before everything happened that was really bad there was a man in the church who was kind he wasn't in leadership officially but well you know those men who aren't in leadership but they run the church he was one of those men and he found me crying and I said to him you know what you're doing is wrong and he looked me right in the eyes and he said It doesn't matter that it's wrong. We have a mortgage to pay and we need to keep the people with money happy. And I was like, that this is church. This is it was so rocked my world. And the next day, everything blew up. We had to walk away again. That was two times in eight years. And for me, at that point, no part of me wanted to have anything to do with the church at all. And I thought, I've seen, I I saw evil and I saw evil win. That's what I saw. And it reminded me of Jesus when he went into the temple with the whip, right? And he was overthrowing tables and everything and saying, you've turned my house of prayer into a den of thieves. And I thought, this is, 
church is supposed to be a place where we go and worship God together. And now it's just a job. It's just a career. It's no different than any other career or job. That was a really big turning point for me where I said in my flesh right now, I don't ever want to go to church again anywhere in the whole world. I just, I'm done with it. But I had two little girls. And while my heart and my flesh said, I can raise them by myself. I don't need to go to church. I can raise, I know how to teach Bible lessons. I can just do it myself. I don't need the church. But my mind that had been studying the Bible ever since I was little knew that the church is what Jesus created and he created us to be a part of it. So I had to go against my feelings because your feelings aren't right. A lot of times your feelings are from Satan, right? Sometimes your feelings are right. If you know your feelings are the opposite of the Bible, then your feelings are wrong, right? During that period is when the first time that I said, I'm going to take a break from any music and any television until I have listened to an audio Bible from start to finish. So I wake up in the morning and put the audio Bible on and I would just listen to it pretty much all day until I went through the entire Bible in a quick as possible way because I just needed to have only God's voice in my head and no other voices in my head because Satan was really attacking me with negative feelings. But it came to the story of Joshua. And Joshua was about to fight the battle of Jericho. And the commander of the Lord's army comes to him. But he doesn't know it's the commander of the Lord's army. So Joshua says to him, are you on our side or are you on the enemy's side? And the commander of the Lord's army says, no. That's his answer. Are you on our side or their side? And he says, no. Because that was the wrong question. The question wasn't, God, are you on my side or are you on the side of those people who hurt me? The question is supposed to be, Laura Lee, are you on God's side or are you on the enemy's side? We're supposed to be asking us, are we on God's side? When it comes to the church, Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. If that doesn't tell you that if you are opposed to the church, you are not on God's side because he said the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So we know that Jesus is the one building the church and he is the one who has called us to be part of the church. So I had to make the choice to go against my feelings, to go against the hurt that I had faced. And then I said, no, church is going to be essential because I know it in my brain that it's essential, not because I know it in my feelings that it's essential. And so we had to make that choice as a family. And it took a couple of years for us to get to the point where we were in a church where we could begin serving again. After going through all of that, like for me personally, I found ministries outside of church because I, I didn't want to be in the back end of church, if that makes sense. I don't go to business meetings. <laughs> um, I don't go to anything. Whenever there's staff conflict, I say, ah, 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 don't tell me. I don't want to know. I don't want to know. Keep your conflicts to yourself. But even with growing friendships, I try to get as many Christian connections as I can from multiple different churches because I don't want to have that happen to me again where all my connections are from the same church and something happens and you lose everything. So all of that led up to... 2020 when the church is closed. I don't know if you want me to continue on with my story from there. Yes, I think you should. It's really profound 
how you were able to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. in terms of listening to God's word. Okay. The mm-hmm. key is listen to God's word, to get in the word of God and to let him speak to you. And through that, you were able to move yourself forward, even though you had wounds, you know, and the thing is, I I would love to know um, when you stepped in obedience Mm -hmm. forward to look at another church, the wounds that you've had, how have you healed those? Mm-hmm. How has the Lord helped you? I mean, I'm listening to what you're saying now and you're saying, okay, I'm learn- I've learned through the- these mm-hmm. things. I'm broadening my base. I'm not putting all my eggs in one basket. But I mean, I came out of a cult and there was abuse and it was very difficult for me to trust and to begin to trust Christians and to begin to trust in any way, any leader just their motives and their intentions. And yet I had to do the deep dive work and the hard work to let God through the Holy spirit and through others that I enlisted in my journey of healing and recovery to get past that, to go forward, to be able to move into joining a church and doing ministry now working in large faith-based organizations and around Christians and all those things. I, I had to, set different expectations. So that's why I'm asking. So, I mean, that's hurtful. You've had two, you had two splits. That's very hurtful. In a a short, in the less than 10 year time span. Yeah. So it was, it was quite. Yeah. That's a hurtful thing. Yes. Um, One of the things that helped me heal, like you said, is being grounded in the Bible and keeping that as my focal point. When you were rejected by the church, And it it was almost the harder thing than walking away. And yes, I saw all those hard things happen. What was more hurtful was the people who were friends of mine that were just seemed to be fine with the relationship ending. Like they didn't seem to care. And they didn't even know what happened. Like I knew the behind the scenes things. They didn't know the behind the scenes things. They were like, yeah, okay, whatever. And that was really hard for me. When you are rejected by the church, Satan will try to turn that to say you're rejected by God, that God rejected you. And making the most important thing when you go through church hurt is to stay really connected with God. So when Satan says God rejected you, you can know and deep down inside of you, absolutely God did not reject me. And you have to know that in order to fight back against that. The other thing was I began to really... I decided I'm going to stand for truth and I don't care if it makes people angry because what's the difference? Because now I know people get angry over stupid things. So I might as well, if they're going to get angry and hate me, they might as well get angry and hate me over something that matters. (laughs) So um, I began to say, I'm not going to fight against the church. I'm going to fight for the church, but sometimes fighting for the church means fighting against things that are happening inside the church you're not fighting against the church you're fighting to purify it and i don't know what it's like in the states but here in canada it seems like church has become you're not a part of the congregation you're a consumer you're a customer does that make sense 
And that's not yes, good. We're does. supposed to be, we're supposed to be family. I'm not your customer, right? I'm the right. sheep you're it's supposed a- to be feeding. It's become so entertainment focused. Very few churches have altar calls. Very few churches have Sunday school. Very few churches have Wednesday prayer night study. We really don't have any of those things in our Ontario churches. We have one hour, maybe an hour and a half on a Sunday morning, the coffee shop, you come in, you get your welcome, you have your worship team, which is like a show. And a lot of times it's a great show. Like, all right, well, enjoy the show. Then you have your preaching, which doesn't necessarily say a lot. And then you go home. We don't have biblical literacy anymore. We don't have theology anymore. So I began speaking out. I went to conferences. I was teaching children's ministry on how to teach deep theology to children and how to teach church history to your children and some of those things. Then I also began the church history podcast and just trying to motivate people to know our history, know our theology. I was working with some people who were Muslim to talk to them about Christianity. And they said to me, oh, have you even read the Quran? So I went through, I read the Quran. I did a study on the difference between Islam and Christianity. But what I found when when I would talk to Muslims that a lot of them had never read the Quran. And I thought, well, how can you say you're a Muslim if you've never read the Quran? But then I was talking to Christians and you would not believe the number of Christians who have never read the Bible. They've read bits and pieces of it. They know your basic stories, but they've never, ever in their entire life read the Bible from Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created heavens and the earth, to Revelation in the end where he ends, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. They've never read the whole thing. How can you even say that that you believe in Jesus and you believe in God if you haven't even read it? How do you know if you believe in it? So really pushing people to let's read the Bible, let's get biblical literacy. And there's a lot of pushback from Christians, believe it or not. And I would get two reactions from pastors. I would get some pastors who would say, amen, this is what I've been seeing in our churches. And I'm concerned about it too. And thank you for speaking out it. Or I would get churches, pastors who were offended as if I was saying there's something wrong with them. And then I would say, well, it's probably the Holy Spirit convicting you. So you should probably just pray about that. I, over the last few years, I've been really just standing for truth. Let's not be afraid to say what needs to be said in our churches. And that's when 2020 happened. And I'll talk about, because that was a really big change for me. So we all know, because we all experienced the same thing, right? So they said churches are going to be closed for three weeks so we can flatten the curve. And I was fine with that because just three weeks, you can stay home with your family. It was winter. Like who wants to go outside anyway and get and shovel off the car and scrape it and drive to church and kind of like a really thought I can have like a three week holiday. And then the three weeks turned into like, oh, we're going to do one more month. And it kept extending. The problem that I found personally is that I was sitting on my couch watching the screen and my flesh said, this is way better. This is awesome. I don't have to go deal with conflict from people. I don't need to be around, you know, in the church where I have still worries sometimes. and I still have anxiety. I would have anxiety every Saturday night. I would still have anxiety about going to church the next day. There was just this like fear that I still had. And I didn't have that anymore. And I, so I was feeling that. And then one of my daughters, who's a teenager said out loud, this is actually great. I love this. And I said, this is not good. 
this is really bad. First of all, if I'm going to spend the next month after month after month not being in church, I might not ever go back because I know in my flesh that that is something I struggle with, right? And then I'm seeing, I'm, I'm raising my teenagers and I want them in the church. And now I'm not able to have them in the church. And if you take those formable years and church is sitting on the couch, not interacting with other Christians, what's going to happen to them as adult women? Are they going to grow up and be like, yeah, church is just, I, I'll just listen to a podcast. It's fine. That's church. Listening to a podcast is great. It's not church. And so I was speak, talking to one of my friends about this and she was like, well, you know, I'm actually part of the underground church. And I found out at that moment that there was multiple underground churches operating all across Canada that they had started after the three weeks to flatten the curve had ended and churches hadn't opened that a lot of people had started opening up underground churches and just opening up their home and saying, Hey, let's just get together and study the Bible together. And so without getting delving too much, because technically it wasn't legal here in Canada to do that. But I said, no, I am going to be meeting with other Christians, any Christian who is thinking the same thing as me. Let's get together. Let's study the Bible together. We was only those first maybe month and a half that we weren't meeting with other people after that this whole time we've been getting together with other christians meeting together fellowshipping together and that really that has been the most healing thing for me honestly because it's those conversations that we've been having and when you're at church church ends and you feel obligated you get up shake hands have some conversations you're kind of obligated to get out the door though right Whereas with the underground church movement, there's no end. You just end when you're done and you want to go home, really. So sometimes it's hours because people just get into a good conversation and we just sit around and talk. And it's been so amazing that it's changed my viewpoint even on what church is and what it's supposed to be. I don't know what's going to happen to the Canadian churches, to be honest. We're still not completely open. I don't know if people realize that. So it's been a year and a half. And you're open, but you can only allow a certain percentage of your church in. You have to wear a mask. You have to register people. It's really been an amazing time. But during this time, I've been speaking out and saying, pastors, open your churches. What's wrong with you? And I've been getting the same reaction. Some churches, some pastors saying, amen. We've had our church open. They've faced fines. Some pastors here in Canada have gone to prison. We've had one church that was meeting secretly outside in the field the police actually sent helicopters to find them can you believe that that happened in canada and then the pastor was arrested and put in prison so we know that there's persecution that's coming but we don't have to be afraid because jesus said i will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it so the church isn't going anywhere and we can have confidence in that yes well geez yeah there's a lot here that you've shared Laura Lee, but I'm grateful that the Holy Spirit has given you a warrior spirit and a truth spirit to be able to continue in boldness to be able to take a stand in truth there. If you could just share what God is calling you to do now, um, you're, you know, you're taking a stand for truth in Canada in terms of 
encouraging the church to open up, to walk in faith, not in fear, to be able to also embrace what God's word says, to meet and to fellowship and to connect. I'm not sure what they're doing in using Zoom and online, but can you just kind of take it from there? Yeah, I think what I am really feeling God's calling me right now to do is to just call men, especially men of God, to stand up and have courage and to call our churches. We need to bring back our altar. We need to bring back repentance. We need to bring back Sunday school and teaching biblical literacy. We need to fight for truth. We need. I was frustrated because the church wasn't speaking up about pro-life issues, but Really, I'm at the point where we're not going to stand and speak for truth about pro-life issues until we have a revival and we're standing for truth on all the issues. And I would just really just pray for Canada. We need a huge revival here. And there's really there's three verses that God's given me um, lately that I've been focusing on and meditating on. The first one is 2 Timothy 1, 7. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. And so when there is a spirit of fear, we know that that does not come from God. And right now, Canada, but really the whole world is living under this spirit of fear. So we know that that spirit of fear is from Satan, that it's not from God. The second one is Hosea chapter four, verse six. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I also will reject you from being a priest for me. Because you've forgotten the law of our God, I will also forget your children. Now, God was talking there about the nation of Israel, but God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so when we stop teaching biblical literacy and we stop teaching theology and we stop you know, reading our Bibles, we're, we will be destroyed for the lack of biblical knowledge that we have. And we've rejected knowledge. And because of that, God's going to reject us. But even more so, if we're not teaching those concepts to our children, he's going to forget about our children. And that's been something that God's been really driving into me. And the last verse is Matthew 16, 18. Jesus said, on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Those are the three verses that God's just really put on my heart and to be not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God until salvation. So don't be ashamed of your story. Don't be ashamed of the Bible. Don't be ashamed of truth and just go out there and speak the truth boldly. Thank you, Laura Lee, for those great words and encouraging words to those that may be listening. There's probably going to be a lot of listeners from Canada. I'm sure we do have a Canadian audience, but I'm sure we're going to grow it. And there'll be a lot wanting to listen to what you're saying. So I really thank you for walking in obedience and in your anointing and sharing what you're sharing from the word of God and walking in um, a spirit of boldness to Laura Lee, because you care. I mean, that's a thing. You really care for your community. You care for Canadians. You care for those that God has put in your sphere of influence. and you know, we will be praying for you every step of the way. And I'm so grateful today 
that you would speak so boldly. You would come on my podcast, honor me that way and honor God. I would just ask that you share, how can you be reached for those that want to reach out to you or, you know, tell me a little more about, you know, the best way for others to reach out to you. You can reach out to me. I mean, I'm on social media, but I would say the best way is the website, just because you never know with social media when they're going to kick me off. When you speak for truth, there's always a chance you're not going to end up on social media very long. So lauraleesiemens.com is my website. And you can email me. It's lauralee at lauraleesiemens. So it's a very easy email address and website. So contact me. I would love to hear from you. And my podcast is on my website, Church History Podcast. And I have a book that's going to be coming out. Yay! About church history. Yep. About It's probably going to be coming out in the next week or so. That's exciting. Where will you be selling your book? I'm going to be selling on Amazon. And they can order it off your website too? Yes. In a few, in a week or so, it'll be ready. Okay, great. So friends, again, I want to thank you all for listening to Laura Lee's Standing for Truth God's Story. I will have her episode available to listen to up on our website at www.alteredstories.org and also other information about her. And of course, you'll be able to hear this episode on all of our platforms where we are actually releasing our podcast, including Apple, Google, Stitcher, Amazon. We're actually on several other very popular platforms internationally. Donna is one, and there's a new one we'll be releasing on, and I cannot recall, Wokeen or something like that is the name of that one. It's a new podcast platform that is international. And the other thing is we are on Pandora, too, and Spotify. So I'm excited to share this. And again, Laura Lee, thank you for being such an amazing guest. And until the next show, friends, be heard and be healed. Altered Stories Ministry is a faith-based, nonprofit, and women's evangelistic storytelling ministry located in Overland Park, Kansas. If you enjoyed listening to today's story, your family and friends would probably benefit from hearing how God works in the lives of women all over the world, too. So please, subscribe to our show and share the link to this podcast. Share it on your social media. We also welcome your valued feedback on our stories. Also, we'd appreciate your prayerful consideration in sponsoring one of our future God-glorifying stories and welcome your tax-exempt financial donation. To find out more on how you can support our ministry, you can log on to our website at www.alteredstories.org.